Well, they should be strategic. So I tell people, make it kind of like the Saturday Night Live show Twitter. You know, when people go to your Twitter feed, it all is aligned with your brand. Let's go. Hey, everybody. Ryan Roten here, and this is the Brand New You Podcast, where we explore how to use personal branding and social media to impact your career. No need to look any further. You found the podcast dedicated to helping you create a brand new you. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to the Brand New You Show. I'm Ryan, your host, and today we welcome to the show John Sparks from IamJohnSparks.com. John is a top 100 social media power influencer and one of the top 50 most valuable social media influencers for 2015. He's a social media keynote speaker, entrepreneur, coach, and trainer. John also teaches online journalism at the University of North Texas, where he is an adjunct professor, and he is the author of the best-selling book, 365 Ideas to Go from Good to Great on Twitter. John, it is my pleasure to welcome you to the brand new You Show. Hey, hey, Ryan. How are you today? I am fantastic. Let's learn how we can use Twitter to help people become that brand new you. But before we get there, I have a couple of questions that I always ask every one of my guests. And the very first one is, if you could vacation in only one place for the rest of your vacation days, where would you go? That's a tough question. There's so many wonderful places out there. So I love Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And with the Olympics coming up there, I would love to go back there. I think the people there are beautiful, warm. The food is fantastic. Probably there. Okay. Awesome. You're the first person to say Rio. Wow. Okay. (laughs) So while you're in Rio, and if you're there for the Olympics, you probably won't do much reading, but which book would you take with you, or which book are you currently reading? Let's see. Well, I would take probably Jeffrey Hazlitt's new book. I really enjoy Jeffrey Hazlitt a lot, so I would probably bring his new book with me. Okay. And what what is his book called? Think Big, Act Bigger. Think Big, Act Bigger. I haven't even ordered the book yet. I just know that the book is out, and I love Jeffrey Hazlett. And anything Jeffrey Hazlett writes, I'm a big fan of, so I would definitely bring that with me. Being the author of a book called 365 Ideas to Go from Good to Great on Twitter, obviously, I am going to ask you a bunch of questions about Twitter. And there are anybody who listens to the show on a regular basis knows that Twitter comes up over and over again. But what I want to do with you, since you specialize in Twitter and since you're author, you're an author of a book that's all about Twitter, I'd like to start our questions a little bit more basic and start off with probably the most basic one that comes across people's mind if they hear it for the first time, which is, what is Twitter? So Twitter is a conversation-based platform, and it's a microblogging platform. It is a tool that Users can use to connect with other individuals and get to know them and form relationships with them. Okay, so I think you touched on this. Why would anybody really want to use it then? Can we let's expand on that answer just a little bit? Sure. So forming relationships with other people because life is about relationships. And so connecting with other individuals, getting to know them and learning more about them and then perhaps maybe doing business with them down the line. I mean, it's a fact people reach out to people who reach out and you can have anything that you want in life if you just help enough other people get what they want. So connecting with them and 
getting to know them at a deeper level. And so Twitter is a wonderful platform to do that. Okay, fantastic. So let's talk about getting started on Twitter. And in your book, you mentioned that there is a big five of Twitter branding that starts with the name, the Twitter handle, the bio, a bio picture, and a header image. And so I'd like to talk a little bit about each one of those. When you say, for me, what is the difference between the name and a Twitter handle? Well, so the name is your name, your first and last name, or your company's name. And so the Twitter handle is your at handle. So when people are on Twitter, they mention your at handle. When they mention your at handle, it shows up in your notifications. Okay. If I'm an individual... Would you recommend that I use my name, my first and last name as well, or should I use maybe something different? Uh, absolutely would use your first and last name. Okay. And I noticed on yours, your, your Twitter handle is I am John Sparks. I noticed you have a little emoji beside your name. Can you explain the emoji that's there? Well, sure. So that's the Japanese TSU, Su, Japanese Su. And so it's just an icon that you can get or an emoji off of Google. If anybody's interested, they can copy and paste it off of my profile. But, you know, it just kind of goes along with my brand that my tweets are positive and uplifting. And so use a lot of smiles when I'm conversing with individuals on Twitter. If I don't use the smile, then the tone could come across as one way, but I want it to come across as that I'm asking him a question, but I'm sincerely asking it with a smile afterwards. So hence, that's why I use that. How do you get that in there? Is it because I know you, you type your name in as you're setting up your account. Is there a way to upload an, an image? Well, you just, I mean, that's a, not really considered to be an image. That's more of a character. So you just copy and paste that. Okay. Well, that's that's simple. I, I just learned something right there. I did not know you could do that. I'll have to go back and check. But I believe, because it's been a long time, that that's a wingding. Ah. So the old Microsoft word wingdings, okay. you know creating the wingding and then just copying and pasting the wingding in Microsoft Word. It's a character, not an emoji. Okay, got it, got it. Wingdings. I have, that's, there's a term you don't hear every day on a podcast. No. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the bio. So the bio is the part that kind of describes you. And how many characters do you get to complete your bio? So Ryan, you have 160 characters in a Twitter bio and you want to use as much of that real estate as possible. And the reason why is because you want to come across as transparent to your audience and you also want to look like a real person, not a spammer. So what type of information should somebody include? You know, if you were coaching someone, what should they put in there that helps them communicate that? Sure. Well, a good starting point, Ryan, might be their professional headline on LinkedIn some sort of a branding statement that lets us know who they are. It can be where they work, but bigger picture, how they would describe themselves. Key words that people would use to look for in a Twitter search that would come up if people were looking for them. It's how they want to be found by others, not how they would necessarily look for themselves, but how others would look for them. Okay. Two left here in the big five. How about the bio picture? What kind of picture do you recommend people put? Because I see all different kinds. Well, so it depends what their purpose is of using Twitter. For me, it's for professional purposes, speaking engagements, brand visibility, etc. I encourage people that are looking to grow their visibility, their personal image, 
to use a professional picture and align it with their pictures on their other social media platforms. And not only that, but their business cards as well. So look, it's about bringing our offline online and conversely our online presence offline and connecting with people offline. Because when you connect with people offline, that's going to be your highest conversion rate. But a lot of our offline connections, when we form connections with people and we're out at networking group, we pass out tons of business cards. And there are so many people that do not have a picture on their business card, Ryan. And it's always interesting to me because I collect so many business cards throughout the day and at the end of the day, go home and try and find these people on social media. And I forget what they look like because they don't have a picture. And so aligning your social media pictures with your pictures that you have on your business card so people can connect with you very easily, and they don't have to play a guessing game. They know that it's you when they go to LinkedIn or they go to Twitter because it's the same picture on their business card as the one that you have on your social media profiles. And people will not look hard to find you in 2015. They just won't. (laughs) You're right. And that's actually a fantastic tip. I hadn't thought of the business card, but I can tell you from personal experience, I just what you said, I do that when I'm looking at content. I try to match the person's picture to multiple platforms when I'm trying to identify somebody to make sure I have the right person. And if they have different pictures... I do often start to question whether or not it's the right person. And sometimes I'll just pass on, you know, maybe sharing their content because I'm not really sure it's them. Absolutely. And so when you've got a name like Ryan Roten, I mean, there's probably not too many Ryan Rotens out there. But if you've got a name like Joe Smith, there's probably a lot of Joe Smiths out there. And there's probably a lot of Joe Smiths in the larger metropolitan areas like New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, Dallas, Philadelphia, and so forth. And so it it just helps people eliminate the guessing game and connect with you easier. It's about making it easy on your audience to connect with you the way that's easiest for them to do so. Yeah, I agree. That's a a great tip. Anybody who's listening, I highly recommend that they go and do an assessment of just their bio picture on all their different social media platforms. And if they don't align, they should do that like soon, like immediately. And, and, (laughs) And one more quick tip, Ryan, too, while they're doing that, is to make sure that those images that they're uploading before they upload them to the social media sites, make sure that they have saved them as their first and last name so that when they upload them, Google indexes them as their first and last name, not DSC0093271 or whatever the image was originally called. Yeah, another good tip. Most people don't think of that. I know I know. I didn't until I started blogging. And now, you know, it's something that I automatically think about, but a lot of people would miss that for sure. So that's, a, that's another great tip. How about the header image within Twitter? So moving away from the bio, which is a picture of you specifically, uh, when you when we talk header image, first, what are we talking about? And then how can you use that image to help uh, either enhance your brand? So we're talking about that large image that is not your profile image, but is the big image at the top of your page, the big panoramic image is what we're talking about here. Using that, to perhaps maybe promote your book or promote something of interest that other might others might find of value. 
before my book came out, I had a montage of different things I enjoyed. So you saw one end of the the uh, spectrum, you saw me doing one of my speaking engagements. And then the other side of the mo- montage, you saw me out at the State Fair of Texas enjoying one of my favorite treats, which is, and I love food, everything comes back to food, Ryan, so you're going to have to forgive me. It's the chocolate pineapple ice cream that they have out at the State Fair of Texas. So uh, yeah, love food. Something like that, that uh, people can really identify, you know, because when they started those Twitter header images, there was a lot of conversation that, you know, they had the big header images on Facebook. And so that Twitter started those to kind of mirror what Facebook was doing. And it's a good, good um, tool to help, again, uh, increase brand awareness and, you know, help others identify with you and who you are. Obviously, when you use Twitter, you you need followers, but you also have to tweet. That's kind of part of the process. So in your opinion, what are the kind of some key elements, the anatomy, if you will, of a good tweet? What does it have to include in it? What should it include in it to make sure that it gets found or that it could potentially become shared? Several different things. So if you want a lot of engagement for your tweet, tweets are by rule 140 characters. You want to keep your tweets 120 characters or less. And less is more. That's the key thing here. So be bold and be brief. One of my most popular tweets is retweet if God blessed you today. And so when you look at that specific tweet, there's several things about that tweet that make it the tweet that people go in and engage with and retweet. And when I send that tweet out, and I'll send it out maybe three or four times a week, I used to send it out almost every night of the week because people loved it and retweet it like crazy. But the reason why people do that is because it's very short and there's not any hashtags in it. You know, So a lot of people send out tweets with the idea that this thing is trending right here, and I've got to force this hashtag into this tweet. Don't force hashtags into your tweet, you know? I mean, some of the best tweets don't have any hashtags in them at all, period. And the tweets that see the most engagement are the tweets that have actually two hashtags or less, studies have shown. So you want to keep your hashtags to a minimum if you do use them at all. And then also ask for people to retweet your tweets including something in there like a call to action that says retweet. The tweets that do the best and get the most engagement, spell out the word please, P-L-E-A-S-E, retweet, R-E-T-W-E-E-T, and are followed by a colon, and then include whatever content that you are asking people to retweet. So ask people to do it because a lot of times people don't know that that's what you're looking for them to do until you ask them. I wouldn't have thought of that, but you're right. I mean, once you're basically telling them, hey, I would like for you to do this. And most people will do that. Absolutely. And send it out two ways. So send it out the first time without the words, please retweet. And then send it out two minutes later with the words, please retweet at the very beginning. 
because some people don't want to retweet a tweet that has the words, please retweet in it, but they'll see that tweet and they'll go back to the other tweet and send out the first version of the tweet and retweet that one instead. So that way you're giving people an option again of what works best for them to tweet it tweet out. While we're talking about tweets coming through there, I I think where some people kind of get a little excitable or maybe confused, we'll say it that way with Twitter is there's Twitter kind of has its own lingo Um, hashtag. We've already mentioned, uh, but you'll see in a tweet every now and then you'll start to see like initials and there can be an RT, which we, we know means retweet, but I've seen MT before. And then there's also the DM. So what what is an MT when somebody sees it, just the capital letters M and a T? What does that mean? So that's a modified tweet. And so that's taking someone else's tweet and changing it to fit in the 140 characters because there are, you know, is that 140 characters, they are changing and revising that tweet to make it 140 characters Sometimes they're adding people's names to that tweet, and that's why they've got to make it a modified tweet is because they're crowdsourcing and they're calling attention to other individuals inside that same tweet. When they add people's names, then, of course, that takes characters, and the characters are going to force you to go in and make revisions to the original tweet that was sent out. Let's talk about DMs. So uh, you do see DMs come across. Now, they don't come through the regular feed. You know, they come to the message feed. If you and I were going to send a DM to each other, how does that How does that happen? What has to take place first before we can do that? Well, so you're going to have to follow me first, Ryan, if you want me to send you a direct message. And if we're following each other, then we both can direct message each other. And there used to be a quota that you only had 140 characters on a direct message. Twitter has since changed that. You can basically send a direct message and use as many characters as you want when you're direct messaging someone. I still like to keep my direct messages bold and brief. I mean, again, Twitter is known as being a microblogging platform, very quick communication. And people don't want to sit there and read long tweets. If you're going to do that, send them an email or better yet, pick up the phone and have a phone conversation with them. Even emails, I think, you know, keep those bold and brief too. pick up the phone if you're going to have a long conversation with them. And again, your conversion rate when you're looking at phone calls, that's going to be a higher conversion rate than, you know, your social media and you're taking your online offline. So direct messaging is basically like texting between two people, right? Private messaging that only you and that other person can see. Now you can add other people now to direct messages as well and have group conversations. So I have a whole team of people that carry on conversations on Twitter, a community of individuals that are kind of like my fan base or community, if you will. So when I'm not on the platform, they carry on the conversation when I'm not there. And so I can direct message that whole group of 10 or 11 individuals and they can carry on conversations with me through direct messenger. But in order to do so, I've got to be following them and they've got to be following me back in return to do so. Now we're talking about followers. So let's go ahead and talk about followers. I think that's probably the thing that people struggle with the most. If they get past the bio and getting everything set up and they figure out, okay, this is how I tweet and what some of the lingo is. I think where people really kind of get down on this platform is when they are trying to get people to follow them. Do you, you know, what are your, do you have any recommendations 
when someone's first getting started out, how they can get people to follow them. Absolutely. So you just need to go out there and follow other individuals. And so I encourage people to go out if they've got a brand new account and follow between 150 to 200 new people every single day. I follow anywhere between 1,200 and 1,400 new people every day. And I know people are probably surprised to hear, what? You're asking me to do what? And yes, I am. So you want to get followers, go out and follow other individuals, other Twitter users, other tweets. As we mentioned earlier, people reach out to people who reach out. And so this is a great way to increase your visibility. So identify people that might be influencers in your area. Maybe they are bloggers. Maybe they are celebrities or have verified account. Identify who those people are and who are following some of those individuals. And use a tool like Manage Flitter to set up filters to show you people that are following those individuals that are not following you. And you can follow people very quickly using your trackpad on your Apple Mac and manageflitter.com setting up filters. And you can also conversely flush people and unfollow them very quickly as well. So I go in and follow 12 to 1400 people every single day. And then I give them a certain amount of time to follow me back seven days because that's the average length of vacation time. After seven days, if those people haven't followed me back, I've set up another filter and manage Flitter to show me those individuals that I'm following that aren't following me back, and I go through and flush them very quickly. Okay. And you talk about a practice in your book called strategic stalking. Can you explain a little bit what, what you mean when you say that? So strategically stalking in a good way with excellence. So getting someone to follow you back on Twitter that may not be inclined to follow you. How do you do that? What is the process that you have to go through to get that to happen? That is what strategically stalking with excellence in a good way is all about. So you go on and you follow the individual. And the first thing you do after you follow them and you turn the white follow button to blue is you tweet them and you say, thank you for the follow back. And you assume the sale that they are going to follow you back, even if they haven't followed you back. And you don't just thank them for the follow back. You don't stop at that, Ryan. You ask them what I call a did you know type question. It's a question that you might already know the answer to, like what is the weather where you are today? Something that is going to engage them and get them to respond back. You give them time to respond to you. After a day, you don't hear anything back. You look at their account and you look at the individuals that perhaps maybe they're following and you don't start at the very top of that list. You try and scroll down to the very bottom. And if they're not following very many people, this works very well. Now, if they're following a whole bunch of people, then I would have to suggest something else to you. And we can talk about that next. But if they're not following many people, then you can scroll down to the bottom of the list of of people that they're following. And you start at the bottom because the idea is that when they opened up the Twitter account, these are the people at the bottom that they thought of first and followed first when they opened up their account. And you're not looking at people that have the blue check marks next to their name, which are the verified users, but the people that do not have the blue check marks next to their name. And so you start at the bottom and you start checking out who those individuals are. And then you follow them. And then you, again, thank them for the follow back and ask them a did you know type question. And eventually somebody's going to respond to you. And then you just work yourself back to the individual. So it's kind of like LinkedIn where you have the first, second, and third level connections. It's establishing those first, second, and third level connections on 
the Twitter platform and getting those second and third level connections of that person to lead you back to that individual and eventually form a relationship with that person that is your target person. You've talked a lot about following different people and you, you, you've you even suggested how, you know, 150 a day for people just getting started out. Doesn't, doesn't Twitter impose a limit to the number of people you can follow today and, and or isn't there a, like a follower to following ratio that they try to keep you within as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's why I said 150 to 200 new people a day, because if it's 150 to 200 new people every 24 hours, then the API, Twitter's not going to shut you down for aggressive following. Now, if you get on there and do 12 to 1400 new people a day, then Twitter will shut you down. And so thank you for bringing that point up. You know, with the size of an account like I am John Sparks, where there's a quarter of a million followers, Twitter's API works a little bit different, and I can go out there and afford to follow those number of people without getting shut down for having, you know, aggressive followed a whole bunch of people. But if you're just starting out and you don't have the large following, that's why I say go out there and follow 150, 200 new people every single day. So that way you're under the radar and, you know, they're not looking at you for aggressive following people. Following people, we're trying to engage them with simple, you know, simple engaging questions. And we're giving them time to respond back. Giving them time to respond back. As we start to get the hang of Twitter, what type of content um, should people be, should people post? Should they just post anything that they want or should they be more strategic about the content they're posting? Well, they should be strategic, but it should come across like a variety show. So that when people tune into your Twitter profile, they never know what they're going to get. So I tell people, make it kind of like the Saturday Night Live of Twitter or Carol Burnett show of Twitter that, you know, when people go to your Twitter feed, it all is aligned with your brand. You know, so I branded I am John Sparks account as being my tweets are positive and uplifting. And I say that in my bio. So that when people follow me, they know what kind of tweets that they can expect. And so anytime I send out a tweet, I ask myself, is this tweet positive and uplifting? And if it is, then send it out. And if it's not, then chunk it. And I don't go with it. But a lot of different things fall in that category of positive and uplifting. So you've got quotes, you've got Bible verses, you've got pictures and images. And so... When people tune in to the I Am John Sparks account or go to it from one moment to the next, they don't know if I'm going to be having a Twitter chat. I could be sending out images. I could be sending out content. They don't know. If you're sending out a bunch of content and you're getting some engagement but not a lot, are there any kind of analytical tools that you can look at for Twitter to say, hey, this tweet did really well. Maybe I should post more of that kind of stuff? Absolutely. So Twitter analytics is extremely powerful and will help people do that. And so you can take a look at Twitter analytics and you can tell different things about your followers. It breaks them down by gender. What is their socioeconomic breakdown? It even will tell you interesting tidbits like what cell phone carrier do they use? AT&T, Sprint, or Verizon? So all sorts of different nuggets that will tell you about who your audience is that will help you cater your content to them. I did not know that stuff was there. And where, where would you find that? Uh, so you can go to the top of your Twitter profile and you go to analytics 
on your Twitter profile, and it's kind of like how you go to setting. You click on the profile picture on the uh, upper right if you're on a desktop or lap laptop, and you click on analytics. And then when you're on analytics, at the very top menu, you're going to have to click on followers. And when you click on followers, it will let you see things like how your followers break down as far as interests are concerned, what their gender is, household income categories, net worth, occupation, consumer buying styles, wireless carriers, home wow. ownership, education levels, and so forth. So it's all there in Twitter analytics. So that's one tool that will help you understand who your audience is. There's another great tool that's out there, and it's not actually on Twitter.com, but it's a website called socialrank.com, and I love socialrank.com. And so you can go to socialrank.com, and it helps categorize your followers and sort them into different areas. So you get to see who your most valuable followers are. You get to see who your most engaged followers are. Those are the tweets, your followers that will respond to you when you send things out. And so that's kind of like your community right there. And then you've got your best followers, which are a combination of your most valuable fo followers and your most engaged followers together. Those are your best followers. And then you can go through and you can also sort those individuals by location. So if you want to see your most valuable followers in San Francisco or Los Angeles or Chicago, you can go to location and you can type in wherever it is that you're you're looking for your most valuable, best, or uh, most engaged followers, and it will show you and rank those people in order. And then on the right-hand side, you can see what their clout scores are, which are their measure of social media influence, and also their other links. So you can connect with them not just on Twitter, but perhaps maybe you want to connect with them on LinkedIn or Pinterest or even by email or see what their website is. You can one, it's one click away when you're on socialrank.com and, and you found them. So my question for you now is you've got, if I remember right, 200, like 265,000 followers. How do you possibly keep up with all that? Uh, your Twitter feed, when you flip it on, it must just be flying as it scrolls down with all the latest tweets. Is there a way that you can kind of separate and segregate people so that you can, you know, watch it, maybe a certain group of that demographic that you talked about that you can find in analytics? Is there an easy way to do that? Well, yeah. So, you know, here's one of the secrets that I share in 365 Ideas, and that is that, you know, yes, I do have the large number of followers. I'm also following you know, when you look at how many people I'm following, 156,000 people. <laughs> and so I never look at my home feed. And the home feed is where you see where all those 156,000 people are sending out their tweets. What I'm interested in are my notifications. And then I've set up Twitter lists for specific individuals and groups of people that I'm interested in specifically looking at their tweets. And so that's another way that you can keep your list or your, your followers rather, excuse me, right side up instead of upside down that you have more followers instead of people that you're following is that you can set up lists. And so if it's people that you're still interested in seeing their tweets, but you know that they're not going to follow you back, put them on a list instead. That way you're not 
following them, but you can still see what they're sending out as far as their tweets are concerned by going to your list. This is something that I learned just this week. You probably already knew this, but you can look at your Twitter lists using your phone, which I did not know. And thank you to Lisa Cummings for pointing that out to me. I thought you could only use your Twitter list from your dashboard on your computer. Yep, you can do it on your phone too. If you were going to give somebody your top Twitter ninja tip, what would it be? So to take the word I out of your tweets, the reason why is because there's so many people, not just on Twitter, but on all the social media platforms that talk about me, 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 me. So when you look at social media from a flip perspective, that it's about helping other people and that, again, going back to this idea that you can have anything in life that you want if you just help enough other people get what they want, then people are going to flock to you and they're going to flock to you in droves. So taking the word I out of your tweets and making your tweets and other social media posts about others and how you can help them and reach out to them. Talked about a whole bunch of stuff about Twitter. You are clearly the go to guy when it comes to learning more about Twitter. So, if there is anyone listening today who would like to reach out and talk to you more about Twitter, what is the best way for them to do that? And I have a feeling you're going to tell me Twitter. Let's do it, Ryan. Well, yes, they can reach out to me on Twitter. They can send me a tweet at I am John Sparks. They can also Reach out to me on the other platforms as well at linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash I am John Sparks, facebook.com forward slash I am John Sparks. I've got a very active Pinterest following as well. So pinterest.com forward slash I am John Sparks, any of the social media platforms at I am John Sparks. And they can also email me as well about speaking engagements or my book at I am John Sparks at gmail.com. Okay, and if they wanted to pick up a copy of your book, should they email you first or is there another place you could send them? You know what? If they want a personalized signed copy of my book, they can absolutely email me and all they need to do is put book in the subject line or want book and I'll be more than happy to take care of them that way. They can also, if they um, just want to order it without contacting me, go to amazon.com and order the paperback version there or Kindle by searching for 365 Ideas. And again, the name of the book is 365 Ideas to go from good to great on Twitter. Awesome. And I think you've given us a lot of good ideas to go from good to great on Twitter. So do you have any final thoughts or tips, words of wisdom, anything like that you'd like to pass on to anybody that's listening today? Well, again, people reach out to people who reach out. And also people are hungry for hope and encouragement. And so... Just remembering that hope and encouragement never goes out of fashion. Well said. Well said. Thank you, John. I appreciate your time. Thank you very much for being a guest today. Thank you. It was a pleasure being here, Ryan. I hope you have a blessed day. Just like there's no I in team, John's suggestion to take the word I out of your tweets really speaks to what social media is all about. You see, it's not about you. It's really about everyone else and sharing your knowledge and insights with others. Social media, when done correctly, actually mimics what Zig Ziglar once said and what John reminded us of today during our discussion, which is you can have everything in life that you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. If you approach Twitter with this mindset, you use John's suggestions and consider your followers to be a part of your team, you'll understand why leaving out the word I in your tweets is so important. John, thank you for sharing your Twitter wisdom with us today. Keep your positive and uplifting tweets coming.
You can find today's show notes at ryanroten.com forward slash John Sparks. As for you listeners, thank you for tuning in today. I know you have many and growing choices of podcasts to listen to, and I appreciate that you choose to spend some of your time with me. And don't forget, you can find out what others notice about your online activities by taking my free online brand reputation assessment at ryanroten.com. Not only will you find out your online brand score, but you'll also get tips on how you can start managing your online reputation. That's all the time we have left for today. So until next week, I've been Ryan, and I'm out. This week's show was edited and produced by Ryan Roten, and the intro and outro music is Pulse by Soundroad.